was prophesied even in the Old Testament later. But first, Jesus sent them out to the Jewish people and preached the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is at hand. Meaning, the kingdom was standing before them in Jesus Christ. And he gave them the power to do those things. But those words I ask you to cast your vision upon right now at the end of verse 8 after that semicolon freely ye have received freely give why should a Christian show grace because we have received grace that's a hard reminder at times is it not with the one who hurts us or the enemy. But why should we show grace? Because we have been given grace. Why should we forgive when our brother seeks, our sister seeks that? Because we have been forgiven. Why should we share the gospel? Because the gospel was freely given to us. And we are not to be gospel hoarders. Have you all seen that show, Buried Alive, on I think it's Arts and Entertainment Channel? Hoarders. We are not to be gospel hoarders, keeping it to ourselves. But freely we have received. We must freely give the good news of Jesus Christ. Think back in your life and to the person that so lovingly freely gave the good news to you. Maybe it was your mother or your father. Maybe it was the missionary on the field. Maybe it was that Sunday school teacher, that training union teacher, uh, the evangelist, the pastor, your aunt, your grandmother, whoever it was. Someone was so impressed, so changed by the gospel story, by the Holy Spirit, they realized that they had been freely given the grace of Jesus Christ and they gave it to you as well and how we should do the same freely we've been given so freely we must give Jesus gave the disciples these powers he gave to them and he reminded them of that you've received this freely you didn't earn this you didn't stir it up within yourself. This isn't your message. This isn't your power. It comes from heaven. I gave it to you. And so I command you to go and freely give it to others. There are many aspects of evangelism that we could teach upon and preach upon, and we, can, we should. But I can't imagine a better verse that would stir our hearts to passionately share the gospel with family, friends, and enemies any more than that. I didn't deserve the gospel. I did not deserve, or nor do I still, the presence of the Holy Spirit within my soul. I do not even deserve to have this precious word unfolded before me. I did not earn it. I'm not good enough. I'm not wise enough. Freely it has been given to me, and freely we must give and not hold it to ourselves. This is commanded. Go, teach, baptize, make disciples, that they may freely receive and that they may freely give. 
The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus has come. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. And Jesus is coming again. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, at this time, I ask that you preach this sermon through me. And Lord, that you steer every word. And don't let, allow, Lord, any of my weaknesses and frailties to uh, get in the way of your people hearing this message. Nor do not allow anything, any talents or gifts that I might assume that I have get in the way as well. But Lord, allow me, if you will, to disappear behind your cross and that people will hear you speak tonight and that you will stir our hearts with the Holy One, Lord, and that you will stir our hearts to share the gospel, that you will share our, or stir our hearts, Lord, that we would recognize fully each day we deserve nothing of your grace, and that's why it's grace. And freely we have received by your goodness your patience, and your love. And so, Lord, encourage us and make us strong that we too will freely give the good news to others in pain. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and all of his children said, Amen. When we think about evangelists, I, I, I've loved, I have fallen in love with reading church history the last three, four years of my life like never before. I can't get enough books on church history upon lives that surrendered so much of their lives, suffered in so many ways to get the gospel out, not only upon their city streets and their lands and in their homes, but in nations among the heathen, uh, the pagan. Uh, we think of beginning in, as Andrew Fuller was one, and uh, on and on we could go. I love, the older I get, the more I love to read about D.L. Moody, the great evangelist. Uh, he was not a, a very educated man, but God used him mightily because he had a love for Jesus and a love for lost souls and to share the gospel of grace that he had been given. The older I get, the more I appreciate the life of Billy Graham that we have seen even in our lifetime. But I want to tell you of all the evangelists from the Apostle Paul uh, on to Billy Graham, there has been none greater than Jesus Christ himself. Jesus was the greatest evangelist of all time. And we must always learn from Jesus. And what a privilege it, had, it is to be able to break open this bread of life and to read the gospel stories of our Lord. We read of such one in John chapter 4. You all know this story very well. It is Jesus speaking to a Samaritan woman at a well. And again, I'm not going to dive into every word and, and break this down very tight exegetically or anything like that, but I do want us to notice some things of the master evangelist himself, Jesus Christ, as we consider our very own gospel conversations that we are to have in our land. First, it says in John chapter 4, and I'll begin reading in verse 1. And let's go down through... Let's go through 14. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, 
He left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey, say thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For the disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The first thing I would make mention is Jesus engaged his mission field. I mentioned this very briefly the week before last, but you have a mission field that even I don't have. In many ways, we have the same mission field here at Westside Baptist Church. We have a mission field here in this place of the community within the city of Berea and reaching out even farther. Uh, we do have a mission field together. We partner in missions with other people. We go to uh, the God is Love Baptist Church in Salamanca, Mexico. We go to Indiana and other places. We do share the same mission fields in many ways, but you specifically have a mission field that I do not. It is your workplace. It is your home. It is your neighborhood. It is your street. It's wherever you might go to the gym or to the senior citizen center. Wherever it is, you have your mission field that God has providentially placed you within. And we must not waste that opportunity. You're not where you are by accident, my friend. Do you believe that tonight? Say amen. 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 It is not by accident. God has providentially placed you at Berea, Daryl. He's providentially placed you where you are, Ronnie. All of you, each person here in these pews, God has brought you safe thus this far by his grace, and he will lead you safely home by that same grace. But you are where he knew you would be and has planned for you to be whether it seems easy right now or difficult, whether you're seeing much success or much hardship, it doesn't matter. God knew you were here at this point in your life, and he's planned that, and he foresaw that, and we must not waste any opportunity to share the good news. You have a mission field. Again, I shared this a couple of weeks ago that sometimes people have a tendency to say, well, Brother Allen, you need to go see this person. You need to go see that person and you need to visit them. And you're right, sometimes I do. But the truth is I can't get to everybody. That's why we're a church. 
And some people, if they've been laid upon your heart, it doesn't mean that you need to tell me about it, but God's laid it upon your heart for a reason for you to check on them and share the gospel with them and not just expect me to. We have to engage our mission field. Jesus Christ left, and he left Judea and was departing into Galilee, and he said, and we must needs go through Samaria. He engaged his mission field. Did he have to go through Samaria? Those of you who have studied this scripture many times, you realize he did not have to go through Samaria. But that's where he felt led of the Holy Spirit to have this appointment with this woman at the well. We must, we needs must go through Samaria. He engaged his mission field. This week as you go out and as you lay your head upon the pillow tonight, I encourage you and challenge you to pray. Lord, I realize I'm where I'm at in life by your providential hand, by your sovereign hand. I realize you've placed me here to be salt and light, to preserve the souls of others, to shine the light of Jesus into their life. Please do not allow me to waste opportunities this week with selfish living. So help me, Lord, to engage my mission field. Pray that prayer tonight. Pray it in the morning. Pray it in the afternoon. Pray it tomorrow night. Pray it the next morning. On and on we go. God, give us strength and wisdom and foresight and knowledge and prepare the hearts of those that I will engage with in the days, hours, and weeks to come. Engage your mission field. Secondly, a great, if you will, technique of evangelism is realizing common needs. Look what Jesus did. You see, Jesus was God, but he was God in the flesh. And he was just as much man as he was God, and he was just as much God as he was man. What a mystery, but what a beautiful theology. You see, I say that to say this. Jesus got thirsty. Jesus got tired. Jesus suffered in the flesh as we did, walking, and uh, greater than we did. And he said he was thirsty, and he came to the well for this divine appointment. And in verses 1 through 7, we see the common need. In verse 7, there came, cometh a woman of Samaria draw, to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. She needed water, he needed water. There was a common need. What a great, beautiful, and simple truth in our gospel conversations, that is an entry point to many of our gospel conversations, are common needs. We all get sick, don't we? Amen? That's a great way to enter into the gospel. Uh, we all have great successes that God leads us to, great disappointments. When we're talking to others and they're sharing their, their illnesses or their struggles or their hurts or their pains, that is a, the best entry into a gospel conversation. There is, I don't believe there's a greater entry into a gospel conversation than through pain. And because we all suffer pain, we all suffer pain physically in some way, shape, form, or fashion throughout our life. We all suffer pain, pain in our minds at some point in this life. We all suffer in our soul at some point in this life. This is a cursed world that we live upon. It is shaking at its core. It is growing older. The Lord is coming back. There is hunger around this world. Brother Larry is seen in his travels as a missionary. The greatest need in other lands is something we take for granted each day, and that is clean, clear water. 
We have many common needs. Pain is the greatest entrance into a gospel conversation and with another human being. You see, this woman had pain, and Jesus knew that. She had pain from her own sin. She had pain because she was going to the well in the heat of the day when the other women went in the morning. She was an outcast. She was lonely. She continued to jump from one bad relationship to the next, and she still needed water herself. Jesus entered into this gospel conversation with that common need. Let's drink. I need a drink. The very thing that she had come for, to gather water for drink and also for cooking and other obligations that she had. There was a common need there. Remember that when you speak to people. Uh, remember that even when people are, might be a little short with you at the grocery store or rude, and sometimes that gets on my nerves too. I'll agree with you. I'm no saint out there. I struggle and have to repent just like you. But a lot of times it's so true that when people might not be in the best of mood, we don't know what they've been through that morning. Maybe they've been taking care of, an, of a sick child, an ailing parent. Maybe they are in fear of losing their job. Maybe they're just struggling with depression, hopelessness. They're in pain. And I don't remember which evangelist it was, but out at Waco years ago that dad had one in. He made a statement I've never forgotten, and I was much younger then. Hurt people hurt people. That is always stuck in my pea brain. When somebody hurts you, beloved, they've been hurt before themselves. Doesn't make it right, doesn't justify it, but someone has hurt them deeply, and they are still hurting. We all hurt in different ways. And you can share that common need with other people when you speak. And then share of your faith and hope in Jesus Christ and how you deal with times of hurt and pain and suffering and disappointments when you don't get the job or you didn't get the raise or the loved one wasn't healed. Whatever it is, we all can share in the common cursed, cursedness of this soil that we walk upon called earth. Amen. The thorn grows with the roses, and it pricks our fingers at times, and we have that common need. I want to share with you, use that common need of pain to enter into gospel conversations. The second thing I would notice is this with Jesus Christ, and these are just very common observations, is secondly, you just got to have a love for the lost and meet them where they're at. Whether we would admit it or not, this is probably one of the hardest things that we struggle with. Meeting someone where they're at. Jesus went to her. Jesus went to her in her filth, in her failed relationships, in her bad reputation, that she was living with a man even now. He went to her at the well for a divine appointment. And we have to be willing to meet people where they're at doesn't mean we approve of any behavior that they have it doesn't mean that we're going to uh, uh, support any bad behavior that they have but I want to tell you brothers and sisters we should love them so much in their sin and in their filth that we know their only hope is Jesus Christ 
And he can clean them up even when we can't. And we should trust Jesus with that. Um, do we succeed in that many times? No, but we do some. And that's up to God. And so we must be willing to meet people where they're at and love the lost as Jesus Christ did. Again, freely we have received, freely give. In verse 8 and 9, it says, or verse 9, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. You see, it was even much more than her sinful lifestyle that Jesus met her where she was, but it was also her cultural standing. She was a Samaritan. Uh, if you don't mind me using this terminology, this is what they used. Uh, the Samaritans, considered uh, by the Jews, were half-breeds. They hated them. And the Samaritans also hated the Jews. They had their own place to worship. The Jews had their own place to worship. And so not only did Jesus meet her where she was at in her sinful lifestyle, but also in her cultural lifestyle. And I say that to say this, it's, Brother Larry, when, we've, when you've gone to other lands, it is easier to accept their culture when you're over there than it is sometimes for us to receive other people's culture here in our own city, isn't it? It's very true. I don't even think about uh, being disgusted by their cultural um, things that they do or customary things that they do. I just accept that it's their culture. I need to remember that not everybody was raised in a fine Christian home like I was, by loving parents like I was, where we read Bible stories uh, at bedtime, where we prayed at night and over each meal. Not everybody was raised like that. Uh, not everybody was raised uh, with morals and uh, to treat people right and to things like that. And we need to remember that when we, uh, that we don't shun people that weren't raised like we were. We've got to meet them where they're at. We don't want them to stay that way. We want Jesus to clean them up, but we've got to meet them where they're at. I'm not saying we go in the bars and sit at the bar stool. I'm not saying that, but I am saying you've got to be willing to go to the well and sit and talk with someone and treat them like a human being. This woman was shocked that a Jewish man was even speaking to her and asking her for water. Jesus loved her so much. He made a great change in this woman, and she was one of the first evangelists in the New Testament, if not the. Meet them where they're at. Also, we must make the greater gospel truth. So we've talked about the common need. We're, let me go back. We're engaging our mission field. We're meeting them where they're at, at the well. We recognize our common needs of pain, thirst, hunger, whatever it is. And then we bring in the greater gospel truth that, that arose from the fleshly needs. We said, yes, I've hurt like that. I've lost loved ones. I've had pain. I've suffered with depression and anxiety or whatever it might be. Or I had this physical illness. And, you know, I prayed in my Jesus that is always there. He said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. And I found that to be true. And he loves all people and wants to save them. You take them to that greater gospel truth point. You take, the common, you take that common need within all of our lives of pain. And then you, you listen to that a while. And you don't rush that. And you listen to them. And you let them share their pain and hurt. And, and you're concerned. And then when the Holy Spirit opens that door, you take that into the greater gospel truth. 
And I want to tell you this, Jesus is always the answer. Jesus is always the answer. Now listen to me what I'm saying very clearly. Let me read verse 14 again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. We see the common need. We take them to the greater gospel truth, but don't ever forget what the gospel is. And don't ever forget that Jesus is the answer. Don't return them to the thought of, well, you need to do this and you need to do that. Get them to Jesus. Get them to Jesus. He's the answer for their sin. He's the answer for their hurt. He's the answer for their lost condition. He's the answer for their disappointments and their pain and their hopelessness. Jesus is the answer. Don't try to pull an Oprah or Dr. Phil. Don't even take them back to your cultural laws. Well, you need to cut your hair and you need to put that beard down and you need to do that. Get them to Jesus Christ and the gospel and then encourage them to come to Jesus. And my friend, Jesus is much better at cleaning people up than I am on any day. Jesus is the answer. Get them to Jesus. Don't return them to do this. Don't do this. And abuse with your cultural beliefs. And I want to tell you, I've heard that done and I've seen that done. And it brings curse upon people instead of blessings. And it confuses people spiritually when we do that. Remember what the gospel is. Remember what the gospel is. And I say that to say this. Keep it simple in your gospel conversations. You know, you've always got that one person that wants to say, well, let me ask you this. Who married Cain? I don't, it was was Ken, okay? Let's get over that. Doesn't matter, we still need Jesus. We still need Jesus. What about that one person down at the church? I won't go to church as long as they're there because I know how they live. It doesn't matter how they live. It matters how about our relationship with Jesus Christ. Get them to Jesus. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Don't try to woo with great theological points and, and get them into debates and, and try to get them into Revelation and Exodus and Leviticus at first. Keep it simple. Give them Jesus. Give them the gospel. Tell them about our sweet shepherd, our sweet savior, the lover of our soul. I want to say not only keep it simple, but keep it biblical. Keep it biblical. Uh, There are so many things out there that uh, are posted on Facebook that are little, supposed to be little Christian slogans, so to speak. And the problem is some of them just aren't biblical. And, you know, one I've heard all my life is, well, you know what God says, God helps those who help themselves. Well, the truth is, you know what? That's not in the Bible. You find it, and I'll kiss you right on the mouth, and I don't care if it's Larry Gergen. (laughs) Keep it biblical. Keep it John 3.16. You know? Keep it biblical. And I want to say this to help you in your gospel conversations. Keep it conversational. Don't come across as edgy. Don't ever come across with an arrogant attitude. Freely you received. Freely I received. Freely we must give. It's all by grace. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, isn't it? 
the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And so don't ever come across as, well, I'll tell you, you better do this and you better do that. Keep it in a conversation. Some people, and, and I do too, we get very uptight thinking, oh gosh, I've got to present the gospel in this conversation. I've got to present the gospel. Where am I going to get it in? Where? Just keep talking. Just keep talking. And keep listening. And hear them. Hear their pain. Hear their hurt. Hear their concerns. Even if they're irrational. Listen. Listen. I was confronted with this by my uh, little girl a few weeks ago. That the truth was, sometimes I get so, and I'm not yelling preach like I preach here, but I want to talk all the time to teach and stuff. And I was reminded by someone else, Alan, just listen to your daughter. Don't feel you have to teach every problem she has. Just listen. And you know what? They were right. And that stung at first. But people want to be heard. And so keep it conversational and listen. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to their pain. Listen to their hurts. And give them Jesus Christ. Give them the gospel. Keep it biblical. Keep it simple. Keep it conversational. When we go out there, don't look at it as it's just another presentation. And I think that's where we get wound up many times is we think, I've got to share this presentation no, you just have to share a conversation. You know what's so sweet about sitting together at the table? Because when you, you share the table, you share life together, don't you? Uh, that's where a lot of our families are missing what we once had in America. We don't sit around the table and share life together. When you share a table, you share life. And so share those conversations with people. Listen, give them Jesus, keep it simple, keep it biblical. And just talk to him about your greatest friend in the world, Jesus Christ, and all he's done for you. You know, people can get theology turned around and argue over this point and that point. And you know, in the end, it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. But one thing people cannot uh, come against is what Jesus has done for your life personally. They can't refute the change that Jesus has made in your heart and in your life. We shall be known by our fruit. Don't think you have to rush through this presentation. Now, when we are on a mission field, it's a little different, isn't it, Larry? You're in a foreign land. They know the gringos there, and they know what the gringos come for. And so, like when we were visiting homes in Mexico, I was probably a lot more straight and forceful than I would be here. But I don't have as long of opportunity to build a relationship. They know why we're there. We know what... They know what we've come for, and so we kind of get straight to the point in many ways. But we still sat and conversed with them through interpreters. We shared meals together. We laughed and talked about other things as well. We listened to them through the interpreter. We showed compassion. But don't think you just got to rush through a presentation. Never forget an important entry into a gospel conversation. You know what that is? Here in your community, it's your life. It's your life. That's your greatest point into a gospel conversation in our community. Uh, evangelism here where we live is different than when you get on a plane and go across the world somewhere. It's different. See, you're known here. And people watch you here. And they hear you here. 
They see you get up on Sunday mornings and get back in the vehicle on Sunday nights and they listen to you speak at Walmart or wherever, at the movie theater, uh, whatever it is. See, you live here. And don't forget your greatest entry into a gospel conversation is your life. People might not always read the Bible in calfskin leather, but they will read it in shoe leather, your shoe leather. In other words, uh, what's that old saying? The Bible most people read is you, right? Or the only Bible some people will ever read is your life. That's your greatest entry. And that's why we must be careful how we live, never to harm an entry that we can have into a gospel conversation with another hurting human being. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for freely giving to us. As we leave here tonight, may we be mindful of the truths that we have read of even your conversation that you had with a woman at the well and how you changed her life with good news yourself. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. None that we deserve, but through your love. May we show grace to others. Help us, Lord, to meet them where they're at. Help us, Lord, to not be afraid to start a conversation, even if they might differ from us. And give us boldness of the Holy Spirit to share Jesus Christ, the good news, the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father, the only way to heaven. May we never be ashamed of the gospel, and may we give it freely. Be with us as we come to a close at this time, and as we leave this place, may we be different than when we entered. In Jesus' name, amen.